and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Hi Saul, it's very lovely to, well I would say see you, but we've actually had to turn our videos off tonight because um, my internet connection in Fingerico is rather unstable so I can see your name. (laughs) <laughs> and I know you are where you are, but and you can't see me, I can't see you, but we can hear each other, which is the most important thing. I am here, Lucy. I'm not going to disappear uh, at any moment. Uh, I'll leave <laughs> you talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, internet issues aside, um, it is lovely to speak to you, Saul. Very nice. And I know that you and I have both had some quite lovely weeks, which we're going we're gonna to talk about. My exciting news for this week is that I've had... A delivery of fruit plants from one of my favourite nurseries, Ken Muir. Uh, they're a local nursery to me in Essex, down uh, towards Clacton. Mm-hmm. And um, I have mentioned them before on the podcast because their quality of their stock that they sell is is second to none. And their customer service, again, is just exemplary. So I've had some espalier apples delivered. Well, I Ooh, should lovely. say feathered maidens. Feathered maidens okay. that I want to train as espalier. Yeah. Sorry, I should clarify that. And then also some... Some lovely vertical cordon pears. Well, that's again how I'm going to train them, but they're lovely feathered pears. So I've had some some very exciting tree deliveries. I do love a tree delivery because you know that that's that plant is going to give you hopefully decades of enjoyment. It's quite they're quite important things, aren't they, trees? It's quite an so, investment, isn't it? Having to plant yeah. a tree. Also, it just gives you hope for the future in some ways because you know it's going to be there for a bit especially fruit trees are lovely because although you know maybe a couple of years you won't get any fruit but eventually you know excitingly you're going to be getting uh, a nice yield from it i know i know and i did mention to you the reason i ordered some more apples i have actually got apples in my garden i've got space for four espaliers and three of them are not doing what i want they're not really performing as well as yeah. i'd hope but one one of them is is really um a fantastic apple. So I've ordered three more. I'm going to bite the bullet, dig up the espaliers that I've got, and um, I'm going to put them in pots. I'm not going to ditch the plants because I do, I do want to keep them to see if they can, can pull their socks up. But in these, when you when you plant a tree, if it's not performing well in its first few years, sometimes you do need to bite the bullet and go. Do you know what? That variety is just not performing well in my my microclimate or mm. the soil conditions. Whatever it might be, it might be on the wrong rootstock or whatever that that problem is. You you know. Either you can either nurture it or you can go. Do you know what? It's it's only three or four years old. I'm gonna replace it with something new, and that's what I've decided to do. So I've been a bit brave, spent a bit of mm. money, but as I say, the the plants are lovely. I can't wait to get them in the ground this weekend. Once it stops raining, it's actually it's been raining all all, all day here in 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 Colchester, so that's a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, that's that's my exciting news. Do you know, bravery is the word, isn't it? Because I think sometimes a home or amateur gardener can be quite 
um, well, I don't know, it can be quite difficult to say, well, I think you should change the tree, especially if it's mm. been planted for you a few times. I know we get lots of questions when we do BBC Gardeners World Live about fruit trees and things. And sometimes you look at them and you think, I think you should just probably start again, you know, maybe establish it a bit better. And, and you can see the look in their eyes sometimes. It's just not an option. Yeah. Like like you say, the thing is, you could be labouring on for years with a tree that's non-productive or just doesn't grow right, and then eventually make that decision to remove it when you could have made the decision years previous. So exactly. if, if you have got something that isn't working, um, change it. You know, gardening is very flexible like that. It's, 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 it's worth trying because you, you might get better results in the long run. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. So, so that's my, my practical job for the weekend. Um, I've also got a few other practical jobs to do, but I know this, this podcast episode is going to be quite a practical um, topic, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you've been doing a lot of weeding yeah. this week at Stonelands. The weeds at Donnellan Hall seem to show no signs of abating in this mild spell we've, we've had a few frosts but nothing actually that significant so things are just you know you know how weeds do they sit there waiting for a bit of mild weather and then they suddenly put on new growth and before you realize it they've tripled in size yeah it was so. do you know it was 15 degrees down here on wow thursday oh which is yeah, crazy. you know that's it felt very spring-like on thursday i've got to say and right. uh, snowdrops are up I, I noticed a few daffodils of mine are starting to break so Usually signs like that means that the soil is getting warm enough for things to start, you know, growing. And, and weeds will take any opportunity, like you said, to germinate or uh, restart from their root systems to grow. So it's funny because it used to be a time, and I'm sure I'm not reminiscing too much 20 years ago when I started this wonderful career, that there was a very distinct, you know, uh, hibernation period and you can almost guarantee two, three months of not having to weed or mow the lawns yes. or anything like that. But now it just seems to just continue. I, I think we've had about two weeks respite from when I can remember the weeds stopping to actually beginning to see the signs of new seedlings coming up. And and yes, like you say, at Stonelands, we have been uh, starting to weed the borders. We got We got quite a substantial amount of borders and we have to really start getting through them. Uh, to start preparing them, chopping bits down, and uh, putting a good mulch on—that's the—that's the key word, I think, for for this whole podcast will be mulch. But we'll talk about that later. But I think we just wanted to talk about weeding in general because if you're going to go into the profession, weeding is something you're really going to have to enjoy doing because you will spend <laughs> a lot of time on your knees, staring at soil, and taking weeds out. Uh, and I'm sure you find the same experience, Lucy. Do you know, you've so I think you've sold it to our audience, or haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Become a gardener, weed yeah. for the rest of your life. And ruin your knees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, honestly, it's true. I would like to estimate the percentage of time that we weed at East Dunham Hall. Like you, we have a lot of borders. We have a lot of bare earth. We We do mulch and things like that, obviously, to try and keep weeds down. But still, um, I would say at least... Between 30 to 40% of our time is purely spent making sure that the weeds stay away. And that's a significant amount of uh, your, as I say, your, your working hours for the week. So, yeah, do learn um, to, to enjoy it. It's a time to, to contemplate life to yes. think about maybe what you're going to have for tea that night uh, <laughs> you got it. to answer those big questions in your mind um, and 
yeah, you just sometimes you just got to crack on and get it done, haven't you? Yeah. So. But it's also a really good time to um, assess your borders, you know, really get to grips with what's going on because there's so much like information you can tell when you start weeding. For example, how's your soil doing? You know, yeah. is the mulch working well? Once you start, you'll, you'll learn, once you start mulching every year and improving the soil, getting that organic matter in, weeding gets a lot easier. Mm. Um, I think people are put off weeding because of how, especially if you're on a clay soil like me, you're very lucky, I know, in Essex with your with your sandy soil. But um, with a clay soil it's very claggy really very hard very messy for a start uh, you know you, you're going to get quite dirty so uh, wear appropriate clothing that's what i would say but weeding on clay is never fun so again get the mulch on and it makes it a lot easier but weeding i i think lots of people think it's a bit of a mindless activity and yes like you're saying you can go into a zen but you've really got to engage with what's going on um for me i try and when I do a bit of training or I talk to my apprentice, there's sort of, I split weeds into two categories. There's your annuals and your ephemerals. Ephemeral means that they have seeded once or twice in a year. And uh, they're quite easy to remove, actually. Um, generally, you can use your fingers or you can sort of tease them out of the soil. The second bunch of weeds are those perennials or taprooting weeds yeah. that are much harder to remove by hand and if you try to you generally end up just breaking the tops off and you actually don't uh, weed the plant out at all it'll just return in a couple of weeks so it's really worth getting to know your enemy in some ways because then that will lead on to the approach you make in weeding it's not all just about just going over the border quite quickly and taking the tops off sometimes you really have to get in there sometimes with a fork or a spade, even. Oh, yeah. uh, things like yep. um, blue-green alkanet, pentaglottis sempervirens, which is very common down in the West Country, mm. has an enormous taproot. You know, it could go down to a foot in length. And if you only take half of it out, it will come back and grow even worse the next year. Do you know, it's funny you mentioned that weed saw because mm. uh, we don't have that at the hall, but it right. does. we do know it grows very well in Essex because our garden is riddled with um, with, with, with green alkanet. And right. Ian yesterday, my husband, was down the bottom of the garden because we're trying to turf a new area. That's our plans for the spring. And again, just we know that the that alkanet has itself sown um, on the rough area which we're going to put the turf down onto and so there's there's hundreds of seedlings and actually quite substantial plants there as well so before we can lay the turf we're going to get the alkanet out and it's it's quite satisfying mm. as you say we in Essex in our little pocket we have sandy soil although a lot of Essex does have very heavy clay like yourself down in Devon and it does if you get a fork in there when the soil is quite moist and I tell you it's pretty moist at the moment you can slide the prongs in fork the alkanet out and actually because the soil is moist it it comes out quite well i think if i was trying to do that in the height of summer when the soil was bone dry it wouldn't it would just snap yeah. so as yeah. you say it's understanding the weed its life cycle the way it grows and the way it does proliferate and reproduce um that is so important in understanding your your then your your approach to to how to tackle it and also your soil you know i just you know we're saying that we've got different soil types the the soil where we are with this light sandy soil i've i've never till i moved to to where we are now i've never been experiencing a sandy soil i've had uh, a mm. chalk, a chalky flinty soil when i lived in guildford my parents in essex which is where they live is only oh 
as the crow flies, probably about four or five miles from where we are here. They are on proper sticky Essex clay. So that's my understanding of a, of a soil. And yes, you say you, you get different types of weeds and different ways to control those weeds on different soils. Where are, we have this lovely light sandy soil. Oh yes, it's a dream to dig, but my goodness, it's like a seedbed. Any weed seed that lands on that soil, you know it's mm. gonna it's gonna germinate it's an absolute yeah. swine you know it's brilliant for direct sowing veg seeds in the kitchen garden it, don't get me wrong i absolutely love it but also i know that if i let any weeds set seed or flower or run to seed at the hall i'm asking for trouble because on my soil type it is literally if the weed seeds are there they will germinate on that lovely sandy soil and it's and it's interesting because actually different parts of the country or different soil types or or different climatic variations uh within the locality different microclimates have different weed profiles mm. um down at stonelands we suffer heavily from uh bittercress and willow herb but we don't have some of the other uh fat hen we don't have any of that uh dog's mercury anything like that so we have to deal with two very specific weeds a lot which means that we can sort of tailor the way we weed yeah. to those plants for example with the bittercress it's just essential to get them before they run Absolutely. to seed because they're uh, they are uh, what i would call a hyper ephemeral you could go through about <laughs> that's a really good way of describing them <laughs> well so, some some ephemerals will do maybe two or three yeah but bittercress, with bittercress is like steroids, it can do it? about six seven eight nine ten yeah you know and it and it will continue through the winter as well as noticed it does um it may not grow as fast but it's it's still growing and it'll run to flower even on a very small rosette of leaves so getting to it is 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 almost essential now the good thing with bittercress is that you can uh so one of the techniques i use at stonelands is using a flame burner i'm very pro my sheen x300 flame burner and one of the great things with the ephemerals and the annuals is you can really get through them quite quickly and burn them and i also find it also stops the plant from seeding so much because mm -hmm. the seeds tend to burn up as well um but then you can only use the seed burner where you've got clear soil so yeah. going back to your borders you've got to start thinking about what kind of tools you use i, I think weeding is far more complicated than people give it credit for now uh stonelands i've just invested and in, i'm sure if you were listening to the podcast last year you'll know that i've got this amazing japanese uh weeding knife <laughs> called a hori hori i didn't do you know I, I didn't know that i had no idea you'd even got one you've kept it very quiet <laughs> <laughs> and it is the most amazing tool uh, for just it, for for both the ephemerals, the annual uh, weeds, but also for digging up the tap-rooted weeds. Um, but people may want to use different types of tools, so it's worth getting mm. to know which tool works best for you. Whether it's a trowel or a hand fork, some people will go over the soil with a hoe and then pick everything up. Oh, hang on, though. And again, with hoes, we have this um, debate at the hall because our, the ho my favourite hoe is not Ian's favourite hoe, and that's not. Jay Yes. favourite hoe and that's not Nick's favourite hoe all the staff at the hall have got their own preferred hoe so it's not just right. that you use a hoe it's which yeah. hoe do you prefer you know I love uh, a draw hoe I, that's just suits right. my style where that, that's not what Ian likes at all and, and I said we it means that we don't have to you know worry about people pinching each other's tools because <laughs> there's no way yeah. we're going to but it, there, there are as you say it is quite a it's not complicated. I think it, 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 is, it is just you can get quite involved in it and we do all have our preferences, mm. don't we? Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite um, 
worth thinking of the ergonomics of it as well. Mm. I like to have a like a quite a long handle tool. I'm quite a tall guy. Yeah. I don't like getting down on my knees too much because it's a long way down and it's a long way up. Yeah, we see Jade but, likes to be on her knees with an onion hoe, whereas to me I yeah. want to be standing up. So it's standing up, uh, yeah. yeah, so I can move around the bed. So mm. it's worth having a longer handle tool because then you can work the soil a lot easier. Also you get more leverage as well. So you yeah. can for our clay soil which needs just a little bit more uh, oomph let's say having that leverage of a long handle tool really works so it's worth thinking about your your weeding setup but once you find a weed once you find a good way of weeding then actually you'll find that you can get through the weeds quite easily and with um less frustration let's yeah. say well, you know it becomes a it comes a nice task to do hopefully you could ease my pain because i have got a border at East Donnellan, which when it's doing what it's meant to be doing, it looks absolutely stunning. And it's um, bearded iris. So they're beautiful right. plants and the um, in full sun. And when they flower in, uh, when there was, it's when the wisteria flowering as well, the tulips are just finished. So you're going into more heights of May, June time. It looks stunning. They look absolutely great. And I did do a video of them last year. But that border to me is the bane of our lives. <laughs> so the um, just to explain, mm. uh, with bearded iris, they have a rhizome which needs to be partly exposed. Uh, and so it can get uh, basically sort of baked by the sun is the phrase, isn't it? So that that then in encourages it to flower. If they're buried too deep with these rhizomes, then the flowering is, is severely prohibited. But of course, then that means yeah. that weeding around these plants can be very very difficult so I, I have actually tried various methods to um to try to get to grips with this bed because it's got bittercress in it and we've just mentioned right at the start how how absolutely prolific bittercress can be as a self-seeder and on our sandy soil obviously it has a field day so i've tried using a flame gun around that area because we literally cannot hoe that bed we can't mulch it because the rhizomes need to be uh, exposed so we can't go and cover them up which is what you do on any other border isn't it um so i've tried the flame gun yeah uh, we go, we do jump in there and take out the big weeds but if anyone's got that kind of border in on their estate or in their garden and they can help me because i we do we do get rather depressed about this area i'd really like to, some help please help me <laughs> please help me <laughs> i feel a lot better about it <laughs> Do you know, I'd probably recommend taking all the iris out and then maybe uh, changing soil in some ways. Well, because it know, may just be there's a huge amount of seed. There is you a know, seed in bank there, there. It's just going to run to plants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, do you know, every three or four years we do lift and we lift and split them to keep them productive because the flowering does ever way after. Well, you do notice in the first year after that they don't flower very well, but then in the second, third, and maybe fourth year, if you're lucky. Mm. They flower very well, but then we do have to jump in and lift all the rhizomes up. And we have to label them, colour color label them, because they the, the family want them to be in a certain block of colour. And uh, cut them all down, get rid of the, the, the um, unhealthy ones and start from, from scratch. So maybe that is actually, that that's, do you mm. know what? That makes me feel slightly better, Saul. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Hopefully I've helped. Now, we, we are coming to the end, but I don't, and I think it would be remiss of us not to mention weed killers mm -hmm. because they are used quite extensively on larger estates because we have a lot of area to cover. Um, and I know that people are very hesitant on chemicals uh, these days. And, you know, and they're, they're right to be because there are some untoward effects of the way they're used. Mm. But it is all down to the way we use them. As professionals, we actually have to undergo uh, a course uh, called the PA1, PA6 yeah. to actually learn how to apply chemicals and use the equipment appropriately in appropriate settings 
minimizing the amount of damage to both the plants and the environment around us. And I know that I think both of us do use weed killers in our properties. Am I right, Lucy? Yes, yeah, I do use weed killers as well. We've got a lot of graveled areas around the hall. And actually, I find for those, um, it's 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 just it's like yeah. a flame gun in that sense. You're just burning things off with a contact spray. And that's the key is the appropriate use. Uh, and generally, uh, for me, and, uh, and just as Lucy's saying, we use it on inert hard surfaces. I have a 300 meter drive. There's no way I'm going to be able to hand weed that um, without then not being able to do the rest of the garden. So it is all about appropriate application, appropriate mm. chemical and appropriate timing. Yeah, we both have tennis courts as well, don't we? Yes, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're also a, can be a nightmare. <laughs> you can't hoe a tennis court, just to Absolutely say. Absolutely <laughs> not. So there, there are environments in which weed killers are appropriate and also very eff- yeah. effective as well, actually, uh, especially if you use them with the correct timings and to the manufacturer's advice. Um, so I will say that although um, liberal use of weed killers is not what I would highly recommend, and in some cases, highly inappropriate as well, the use of weed killers where they are appropriate is uh, time-saving and also helps us in the long run by keeping the weed population down so we don't have to spray so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we've, what we're essentially saying in a nutshell is that weeds, you... There's a lot to know about weeds and there's an awful lot. (laughs) There is a lot to say about weeds and there's a vast amount of uh, control methods at our disposal and you need to understand your weeds, you need to understand where they're growing, you need to understand your soil and your tools and then, then you might reach that wonderful utopia where actually you and your weeds can live in harmony together. That concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye!